Hi, and welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're speaking with Rosalind Sadaka, the founder of the Child-Centered Divorce Center. She's a divorce coach and parenting coach, and she's going to speak with us today about dating after divorce. How are you, Rosalind? I am wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you. Do you prefer to be called Rosalind, or do you have a nickname that you prefer? You could call me Roz. Roz. All right, even better. You can call me Rich. We're R&R. &R. That's right. Yeah. Well, so Roz, you're in Florida, yeah? I am in South Florida. How's life down there right now? Well, we're, we're doing well. We're in the midst of hurricane season, so it's yeah. tough to go from week to week. Co COVID plus hurricane. Yes. And I assume everyone's safe down there. I mean, as safe as you can be yeah. with all that risk going on. Well, we, we pay a lot of attention to safety and science. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could say the same for the rest of the country. We're trying here in New York. We're trying. So let's talk about um, how did you, where did your passion come from from this work? How does your heart lead you to this work? Yes. Well, I was married for a long time and had an 11-year-old son and finally decided I needed to get a divorce. And I had held off for many, many years in a marriage that was rocky because I didn't want to emotionally and psychologically devastate my son. And finally, I realized he was starting to show headaches and other signs of the stress of at home. And I realized I had to do this. And it was the toughest decision I had made in my life. And I spent weeks of sleepless nights trying to decide how to break the divorce news to him in a way that wasn't going to be damaging. And ultimately, at four o'clock one morning, I came up with an approach which I ultimately use, and that was to create a storybook in advance with family photos from before he was born through his early childhood years to the present, talking about us and our family, mm -hmm. and that our family is going to change its form, but we're still going to continue as a family. Sweet. And, and mom and dad are going to have two different homes so that mom and dad will be both happier when they're spending time with you, but life is gonna be okay. And it set the tone for both his father and I to start in a very positive co-parenting fashion because we wanted, we, the one thing we had in common still was that we both loved our son so much. Mm -hmm. And it was a very successful experience. One day when I, he was in his early 20s, he came to me out of the blue and said, you know, Ma, you and daddy did a really good job with the divorce and I just want to thank you because most of my friends whose parents divorced either hate their parents or are very angry at them. And mm -hmm. I thought you guys were great. I love and that. I, I let out a sigh of relief. I was holding on to so much guilt for more than a decade because you just don't know what you're doing to your children. And that's when I decided that I had experience and wisdom and insights to share with other people. And I founded the Child Centered Divorce Network, became a divorce and co-parenting coach, started writing eBooks and e-courses and programs to help parents before, during, and long after divorce. And that's, that's how it all started. What a great story. You know, um, as you know, I've worked with a lot of people in divorce and I, I don't think I've ever heard that story where the, per the person had the foresight to say, how am I gonna do this so I really stay focused on the well-being of my child? That's really sweet, sweet story. And of course, that's why your heart is in this. I love it. Yeah, it's my passion. I, uh, also, I also love that um, 
I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I, I, this really stuck out in my mind. You know, so many people who are in the divorce process, they, they want some kind of affirmation that their children are going to be okay. But I think your story really points out how until your child grows up, you know, you really don't know how well or badly it's been for them. Um, and they, you just have to kind of keep working at it. it. It's a work in progress. It's not like the divorce is over and then you hope it's good. You know, exactly. you, you just keep, you're still working on it. You're still working on that parenting relationship. You're still working, you know, to uplift your child in the process. Yes. And, and as a coach, I, and I'm sure you do as well, I work with a lot of different questions with clients. And one of the um, primary questions I think every divorcing parent needs to ask themselves is, how will my children feel about the way we handle this divorce when they're mm. grown adults? I think that's a sobering question that kind of gets you into the right mindset to make better decisions before you go off track. Yes, absolutely. And now I understand that you work also with people who are dating after divorce. Yes, uh, my sister's a psychotherapist and we've collaborated on a print book and several e-courses for men and women because who wants to make an, more mistakes and go through the process again? And unfortunately, the statistics are very high that second and third marriages have either uh, moved faster into divorce than first marriages. So we yeah. want to stop people in their track. And one way to do that is to get them to realize the part, the role they played in the relationship before they move on and, and just think they could find someone new with a different face and life is going to be different. Yeah, I think the statistics are something like uh, your second marriage now goes from a 47% possibility of divorce to something like 64. And then mm -hmm. the third marriage is like in the 70s. I mean, it's, it's actually quite amazing what happens to, I'm going to make a bad joke here, repeat offenders. Yes. I, I'm, I'm in my second marriage. I'm very grateful that so far it's, we seem to be on the right track. So um, how does this work? You get divorced and... Uh, you know, depending on how the, who's on the other side there and how you've approached it, uh, you come out of it relatively whole. And um, what's how do you what are the typical mistakes that people make in the dating process? I guess is the first question I want to ask. Well, most important because I'm a divorce and co-parenting coach is if you if you're dating with children, you have an entirely different level of responsibilities that come with you. And some people think of it as baggage, but it's, it's very important that you're right up front with new partners from the beginning and let them know you're a parent and the, the age of your child and how available you are for dating in a social life. And it's gonna change when you have entrants and young children and teens. And so you want to be very open and receptive. You also want to learn the lessons and get what I call the gift from your former relationship, no matter how bad or toxic and painful it was, there are lessons to learn. What part did I play in this, in this relationship? Absolutely. Why did I choose that partner? <clears throat> what have I learned since? What am I going to do differently in, in choosing partners? What were the red flags that I didn't see? Mm -hmm. How can I change my own behavior to be less abusive or, or aggressive or passive. There are so many questions to ask and answer. When you have those answers, those are the gifts because you, you could tell yourself, I will not do that again. And, and you can create a proactive list for yourself of potential new partners 
so that you get a warning sign when you're moving into a past pattern because too many of us have patterns. We, we pick a type and you, you could be with someone who is controlling and then pick another controlling partner. Mm -hmm. someone, someone who is an alcoholic or has another addiction type of personality. Someone who fools around and, and needs, needs to be in other sexual relationships. Whatever it is, you want to identify that pattern and, and play, do the homework, whether it's with a coach or a therapist or a support group, but get the help you need so or that you can those. break that pattern or all of those, yes, to break those patterns. Then you can move ahead and choose wisely, what I call consciously, and, and make conscious decisions about a partner, not just because they're attractive to you or sexually compatible, mm -hmm. but because they have qualities that are people important. People get married just because sexually compatible? <laughs> <laughs> I won't say I've ever known that to happen. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, piggybacking on what you were saying, I, I loved your starting point, which is that, you know, no matter how horrendous the person on the other side seems to be, there is always, even if you, even if you're not, even if you don't feel responsive, responsible, you can take a stance of accountability, like just as a mindset, you know, where you just think about, all right, somehow I ended up with this person. I may feel totally victimized. I may be very angry. I may have a lot of blame, but somehow I chose. Somehow I chose this, and maybe it's because they were gaslighting me and brainwashed me and all that. But there was something about who I am that allowed that allowed this person into my life that didn't allow it into Samantha's life or Tom's mm -hmm. life. And and so uh, and there's something about using that lens that is helpful in in that process that you were talking about. Yes, and, and it's, tough. Have... it's tough when you're like I, I work with people totally. who who have uh, some very abusive spouses on the other end. And it's really hard to, when, if you've been physically beaten or emotionally abused to go on some level, I chose this. Yeah, and we need to even if it wasn't yeah. a, Even if it wasn't you saying, I mean, nobody says, almost nobody says, I wanna be physically beaten or emotionally abused. Right. But on some level, because of the way we grew up or what we're used to, that we're more prone to that than someone else might be, I think is the best exactly. way. Exactly, very well said. And then we have the other layer that if you have children as well, then you need to pick a partner who's going to be respectful for your, of your children mm. and not put your children in a competition. Some people get love very confused and they don't understand the difference between parental love and, and a re romantic relationship love. Mm -hmm. And if a child feels insecure because you're dating other people, it means you're not sharing with them the support and security they need to know that mom or dad is never going to leave them, will always be your mom and dad, mm -hmm. and I'm going to protect you and make sure that the people around you are safe and loving too. Now, we can't expect new dating partners to love our children instantly. It doesn't happen that way. But some people don't like children. Some people don't treat children well. And we have to be very careful and safeguard our children mm -hmm. that we're not putting them in a place where they're feeling insecure, where they're in a, in a battle for your attention, where they're feeling unloved, where they're being abused in some way. And that takes time and attention. So I really suggest making this a very slow process. Don't introduce your children to dating partners until you know that you are in a very serious committed relationship because children get attached. Mm -hmm. And if every, every two or three months you have another partner 
when you have children, it's hurtful for them and it's confusing for them. And sometimes they think if you could break up with people that easily, maybe you'll disown them or divorce them or break mm. up with them at some point. And so you have to be very careful and take things slowly and watch your partner and see how they behave with your children and listen to your children as well. Because sometimes their feedback is jealousy and, and feeling competitive. Sometimes their feedback is right on target and they are picking up on things. You may be too blindsided by the great sex to realize or that there's other factors. Yes, being in love, all of that. Like being in love might be more addictive than the great sex. Yes. Some, there are people who really, well, who doesn't love being yes. in love? It's, exactly. And actually, I'm curious about that. So you meet someone, you've, you've, got, you've, had, you've divorced someone, uh, you, you've divorced your children's co-parent, not someone. You've divorced your children's co-parent, the father or mother of your children, and they're, and they're still there, like, because they don't go away. Right. They, they are the mother or father of your children. As long as the children are alive and you're alive and they're alive, they, you will always be in some Absolutely. kind of orbit. And you've, you've uh, taken up a personal inventory, let's call it, of, from a, a stance of accountability, even if the other person was Godzilla, you know, uh, you, you, you want to know what is it about Tokyo that, makes, that, that draws Godzilla. Yeah, and so you've got you figured it out, and so you you know you don't you know how to avoid you hope more Godzillas, or you know what the red flags are of Godzilla. So you, you're out looking you're know, looking for someone, and you meet someone, and you just fall head over heels in love with them. And but you have these children, and so how do you balance out that? I mean, when you're in love, it's like you're just so it's like you're absorbed into the experience. Yes. You feel. Uh, better about who you are when you're in the presence of the other person and hopefully vice versa because you know you see each other for all your potential and it's just amazing and how, how do you unhook enough to know when it's time to bring those children in because like being in love is almost it's almost like drinking it drops yeah. your inhibitions you know it's like oh I'm in love it must be okay how do you know to, to where to put those spaces you're totally right and that's why we have to be very slow moving in all of this because there's two factors. One is, is this real love? Is this something that's going to continue? Or is this the excitement of the first few weeks, the first few months of a fling? And then I'm going to learn more about that person and it's going to ebb out some. And the other factor is, how is this person going to relate to my children? Mm. And are they going to treat my children with You're in respect? Love with them. They're the most wonderful person in the world. Do you really have time to think about that? Well, that, that's where the maturity of parenthood comes in. We have to, we're the adult and we have to make mature decisions. I, I, don't, and we, I don't want to be an adult. I know, I know. <laughs> and, that's, and that's why we see so many sad stories and so many headlines yeah. like that. Well, but we have to remember that we are role models for our children. They are watching us. They watched us go through the divorce and how we handled conflict. They're watching us as co-parents, how we're handling interaction with this other person who we may not like that much, mm -hmm. who's in our life for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And then they're watching us dating. How are we treating our children while we're dating? And how are we interacting with that other person? They're watching and learning. And it's okay for us to apologize and say, you know, I'm sorry, mommy made a mistake in introducing you to Saul too soon. Mm -hmm. Daddy, daddy shouldn't have taken you out and we shouldn't have all, all gone out to that picnic together because I didn't know Mary that well. Mm -hmm. what, whatever the situation is, we, we need to own up and think about what, are, what am I teaching my children? What are they learning from me? 
And when we do that, we usually can take a step up into a better level of maturity and awareness because our kids are holding us accountable. Always. We always, owe it to them. always watching. Yes. And learning so much. Well, I'm going to guess that, uh, that, that as a, someone who helps people with the dating process, that those moments when we're so drawn by our attraction or our feelings or whatever, and we're having this kind of conflict, I'm going to guess that's the kind of thing that, that I'm going to guess not only do you help people to figure out what were the mistakes they made, but also how to resolve those kind of conflicts. Am I right yeah, there? Absolutely. And yes, we, we want to learn what, what our values are. Sometimes we're, we're so befuddled in, in past relationships, we don't even realize what they are. And we have to take them step by step and understand what are we looking for in a healthy relationship? Mm. If we haven't had one before, that's a real challenge. Are we looking for someone with integrity, someone who treats us respectfully, mm -hmm. someone we can feel totally open and comfortable with, warts and all? Because sometimes people are grandstanding all the time, especially the first few months of dating, and they're always on. And the reality is you want to see your potential partner when they're sick, when they were fired, when life is throwing some curveballs at them, mm -hmm. and see how they respond. Because that's when you know whether someone has a temper that they can't control, mm -hmm. whether someone is intolerant, whether someone suddenly starts being abusive to you. So we have to get out of the honeymoon phase and see the real person and wait, wait, wait before you introduce your children to these partners. See them outside at another time. And then if you do feel that you have a keeper, then you want to introduce your children very, very slowly, a short, uh, a lunch for an hour, watching a movie for mm -hmm. two hours and, and listen to what your children say about that person because your children love you and respect you, and sometimes they see things that you're not seeing because of, because of the, the wonder of love, especially after a past relationship that wasn't so good. It, it's a wonderful feeling to be in love. But we have to understand that a stranger isn't going to instantly love our children. And then we have the challenges of blended families, and we have the challenges of our ex dating another person and they're coming into our life and suddenly our children are being exposed to another person. How do we feel about that? How do we respond to that in a mature way? It gets very complicated. It's good to have a support system around you. And don't make that support system your friends and family because their advice is not always the best advice. What, what kind of ground rules would you advise that uh, co-parents set around introducing children to, you know, uh, to new people they're dating? Yeah, you want to talk about those things and you want to have parameters. And in most cases, most clients that I've worked with want both sides to wait before they introduce. So d date and have your social life on your off days, but don't bring that person into life with the children. And if you are, then let, let's talk about it first. Mm -hmm. I've been seeing Sally for six months and, and I want to, her to come over and watch a movie on Saturday night with me and the kids and, and Sally. And so I'm letting you know about that and talk about those kinds of things. If you treat one another as co-parents respectfully, it's more likely that your co-parent will be respectful in, re in return. 
And also I remind co-parents that you want to be very flexible. We all have parenting plans and schedules and dates and on and off periods when we're seeing and not seeing the kids, but things change just as they have in this dramatic time with the, the virus. Yeah. And we want to make sure that if you say, listen, I suddenly I have a business meeting and I'm going to be two hours late. If you do one another favors, you're more likely to get favors in return. And that's what a family does for one another. And you are still a family. Hopefully. Well, I mean, I guess in situations where the divorce was less agreeable and perhaps you're living more like parallel parents, not in complete sync with one another, then you just get to exercise that stuff unilaterally and hope that the other person catches up. Yes. And so, I highly recommend those online co-parenting scheduling tools. There, there's one that I uh, highly recommend called twohouses.com, but there are several out there that help for parents in high conflict, put everything in writing on the scheduling tool, and then there's no mistakes because we never want to have our children become messengers for us, yes. delivering the message, and we never want our children to be our confidants. Yep, we don't keep them, the help. Keep them yes. children. So yeah. I'm curious, how can people find you? I understand you have a boatload of resources. Some of them are fee, uh, free, I almost said feed. Some of them are feed, they are feed. They're free and they're feed. And some of them are paid for. And I'm sure our, our audience would love to know more about how to get in touch with you and ways that you can help them. Thank you. If you go to childcenteredivorce.com, all of my information is there. Right on the homepage, I have a free ebook on co-parenting success. Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> along the side, you'll see my eBooks on co-parenting training, my online co-parenting course, 10-hour audio coaching program with workbook. And of course, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching um, via Zoom and, and video or phone anywhere in the world. So there's many different ways and formats. I also have a co-parenting anger management course and a uh, my signature book is How Do I Tell the Kids About the Divorce, which is, includes fill-in-the-blank templates to create a personal storybook mm -hmm. that you and, and your co-parent work on together. So Love that, that model. Thank you. So I yes, and that it, model, the story it becomes a script. It becomes a script that the children can read with you and you don't miss any of the six key points you need to say to your children because it's all there in writing. And best of all, the children can read it over and over again in the weeks and months after the conversation to remind them. <laughs> you have the right editor. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So all of that is available at childcenteredivorce.com. Excellent, excellent. And um, as far, and this, this dating coaching that you're doing, what's, what's the best time for some, in there, someone to reach out to you I mean, oh, is it like while they're getting divorced, after they're divorced, are they already dating and just like- All of the above, all of the above, because I can help them through any of the processes and we could help undo some mistakes and we could also guide people in not making mistakes, which is even much more rewarding. Yes. So that, and I have programs for men dating and women. One, one address is womendatingafter40.com, that's 40.com, and the other is mensdatingformula.com, and two programs there. Excellent, and I have one final question, and you come, before I ask it though, I just want to tell you, I love the depth and breadth of your experience, and I love all the work that you put into 
creating programs and tools for people. I think that's so admirable. Uh, and I, one day, I hope to have the level of achievement that you have. I'm really just so in awe of the work that you've put into what you do. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So the final question is, what is the legacy you'd like to leave behind you? Well, as you could tell, helping families before, during, and after divorce is my passion. So the legacy is that for, I get emails every day from, from clients and from people who just find me on social media. And the thanks is, is what I'm looking for. The legacy I feel is that I am helping people ease the, ease the tension and become better parents when they're going through a, the challenges of divorce mm. and dating after divorce. And for me, that's the most rewarding thing in life. So I am, I am thrilled every day doing what I'm doing and knowing that I'm making a difference. And my son is very proud of me. And he wrote the forward to my book. So sweet. Oh, what a great story. And what a, what a noble legacy. I really love it. Thank you. I really love it. I, I think that um, when you know, having been divorced also, I think that the hardest thing is to be a noble parent in the divorce process. It's so easy to get sucked into the vortex of why you're getting divorced. And uh, you naturally, I don't know about other people, I naturally wanted to pin everything on my spouse, of course, uh, but you know, I couldn't do that because I chose it. I chose her, I chose that situation. Thank you so much and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you, it's a pleasure talking with you. Okay.